Do you like scary movies, listener? Well, guess what? We have Scream coming up. The original and the new one right here. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening to us today. First of all, we want to give a big old shout out to Ryan the Oso for making that wonderful intro. I think it really spices up the show. What do you think, Tommy? Yeah, it gives us a real nice, uh, what's it called? Beat Beat Jazz Club, wherever it fuck it's called. It's, <laughs> it's, called, it's called sexiness, Tommy. It makes the that's show what it is. a swag. little sexy. It, that's why it's just, just sexy. It makes the yeah. show sexy. How are you doing today, Tommy? Uh, how, how- I- I am excited? good. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, we are going to see the new screen in about 90 minutes. Uh, so I've been hyped for this for a while. It's going to be great. And so, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, well, so why are you so hyped, Tommy? So Scream, um, the movie that we're covering this week, um, both the original and the new one, the original is a top five movie of mine. And Timmy has given me so much shit for it over the years. And I finally got him to actually see it for once. Are you? The question is, where am I? The critics call Scream the most terrifying movie of the year. Somebody! It's clever, hip, and scary. Yeah. Wes Craven is in top form. Motors are incidental. And Rolling Stone calls it smashingly scary. Oh my god. Drew Barrymore gives a tour de force performance that rivals Janet Lee's in Psycho. It's the scariest movie of the year. We all go a little mad sometimes. Scream, rated R. Starts Friday, December 20th. What did I think of it, Tommy? Is that what you asked? Yeah, that's what I just asked. <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was fantastic. Like Fuck I was yeah. <laughs> really impressed at how good it was. I it just it was one of those movies. It never came into the stream of conscious, and I I definitely missed it. I was really well impressed at how like gr- everything was grounded ex- in the horror. Like it was grounded, and it was very straightforward and it it wasn't like it like the humor and like the cynic cynicism is not like on the forefront it's literally in just the motive of the killer and how he wrinkles them up that is literally like the cynic part and the rest of the movie is just kind of like a, a drama about a girl trying to come to terms with what actually happened to her mom and who she, her mother was and it just has a horror movie kind of plopped around it yeah um it's one of those things like you said with the horror it's a horror comedy which that trailer we just showed did not uh, highlight the comedy part at all. It's like along with like one of the best horror comedies where the horror hits hard and it's scary and it's like, oh, crap. And then the humor gives you immediately that little tension relief there. You go, okay, let's laugh. It's a great movie, I think, to watch with friends, um, especially over the last year or two. I've watched, I showed this movie to about like three or four friends where they told, told me they haven't seen it. And I was like, what? We need to watch this like right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my biggest regret was not watching it with you yeah. in person as you see me just staring you down the whole time like did you, did you see that scene do you see yeah, that, that scene that does happen where you're just you show somebody a, a favorite movie and you know what's yeah. coming and you're just like looking at them like like bouncing up and down in your chair just like come on come on girl come on you can do it you can do it 
But and I'm the asshole where, like, if uh, I see my friends on my phone, uh, friends on their phone. Oh, like, don't, no, 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 no. Tommy, you are the king of sitting and watching a movie and just shoving your face in your phone. So I don't oh, ever want to hear. I've gotten a lot better about that. I, I used to be really bad, but uh, during quarantine, I was like, okay, like, I need to change my screen share a little bit. So I've been gotten better where I, I turn off my phone a lot when I'm watching a movie if I have nothing really to look forward to. But um, like I was saying, I'm the type of guy where if I'm, I'm showing a friend my favorite movie, and they're on their phone. I immediately will tell them, like, this scene coming up is great. You have to watch this right now. Like, come on. Oh, I do go. the same thing. I do the same thing. But <laughs> yeah. I think one of the reasons it really works so well is the beginning. And also, if you're worried about spoilers, if the movie was is not released in the past month, we don't give a shit. So, yeah. So, 25-year-old movie, uh, you had your time to catch up on the original screen. So, uh, if you're worried about the new one, we're going to split this in part in two. So, uh, we'll tell you a little bit break part where we'll be, okay, we're going to the new one and then you can listen whenever you listen to the new one or see the new one. So I think the first part, the intro with Drew Barrymore and, and the killer is, is, does he have like a name? Tommy? So you're like a ki- nerd about this. So yeah, I'm a huge horror guy. Uh, so the killer is called Ghostface. Um, Ghostface. That's the, the little mask he wears and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, well, I always just associated it with like that movie, obviously. And mm-hmm. but the idea I knew the joke of it was that they were using this mask because it was a mask that they could find. You could find any like I think the cop even says that. Yeah, we ran a ran a five and dime on them. And it turns out they sell these things, uh, you know, a quarter everywhere. Uh, but the opening scene of this movie really sets the tone and it puts a lot of the humor in it. But it says, take this horror seriously. It's not this is not a joke this is not just like a cynic it's not epic it's not one of those like epic movies that came out like 10 years later um yeah one of those god-awful movies (laughs) yeah or a scary scary movie in in that vein which is very directly where this movie's parody from Mm -hmm. but it drew barrymore is like i rewatched it again after i saw that i just rewatched like the first 10 minutes of the movie she's incredible in that but in those first 10 minutes it's great. Um, like the opening scene is a, I think one of my favorite cold opens in any movie ever, where the first ten minutes are just focused on her. And I love the little things that Wes Craven does in it, where like, for example, you have the popcorn in the movie, um, where in the beginning of the movie you see Drew Barrymore with the popcorn, um, putting it on the stove and stuff like that. And as the tension of the horror gets more and more racketed up, you see the fucking popcorn just like bursting up and like almost causing a fire by the end of the scene it's a great like Matt, like way to show the tension you know <laughs> yeah well so i i pulled a little clip of just one of my it's this is a minute sequence and it's early on but this is where it builds you start to feel the tension building it, it kind of crescendos a little bit like it crescendos and stops what's that noise popcorn you making popcorn uh-huh i only eat popcorn at the movies well i'm getting ready to watch a video Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Um, Halloween. You know, the one with the guy in the white mask who walks around and stalks babysitters? Yeah. What's yours? Guess. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that the one where the guy had knives for fingers? Yeah, Freddy Krueger. Freddy, that's right. I like that movie. It was scary. Well, well, the first one was, but the rest sucked. So, you got a boyfriend? (laughs) 
Why? You want to ask me out on a date? Maybe. Do you have a boyfriend? Mm, no. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Like, I, I love that. Like, that conversation is... It, I, Roger Jackson is the, the voice on the phone. He plays the killers who are mm. both... It's Stu and, and uh, Billy. They're the two boyfriends in the movie. Ten, turn out to be the killer spoiler alert yeah and like we said <laughs> like we said spoiler alert he's uh, his voice is just incredible it's just it's the most it's that guy at the bar with just like this that that like pulls these girls you know he's like 42 or whatever yeah and he's still pulling girls and you just hear this voice and you're just like he is a what a scumbag but it just like it nails the landing like it's just very smooth, very silky. And then, you know, he's just kind of flirting with her about this movie. And then it's like, I just want to know who I'm looking at. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, then Amelia is like, let's go into it right now. So, yeah. And, and from there, that's pretty much where the, where like any of like the kind of like the calmness of this stops. And when the tension really starts to build, I think it's, I think one of the things that also really works is the music. Like I, I loved the music, mm. especially in the first 10 minutes. I thought it was, really well played very traditional very, like a very kind of traditional horror score but almost no, a little lighter too like like not too over the top just like perfectly f like builds tension from the, the the minute the camera starts rolling no especially like in horror movies like uh more than anything like the score really matters if you have a terrible score then the movie's not gonna come off as scary so mm -hmm. i i just like how they just like really just like i said just build the tension right there from the beginning you see it's you first watch this movie and you're like, oh, was this just like a babysitter just having like a flirty conversation with a guy about horror movies? And then right there, that one little drop and immediately the score just just highlights that like, oh. Just starts to tingle in the little yeah. and, so. not, and not to skip ahead, but just because we're kind of touching on the score, like this is right when Drew Barrymore has been, this is like near the end, Drew Barrymore has been stabbed and this is her when she's seeing her parents walk back into the whore, the house, like like unaware that her, their daughter is just dying on the floor right next it's to them. So like, 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 but this music is so perfect for it. Yeah. Like, like that is just br that is brutal music that's like the yeah. end of the lord of the rings battle or something where like the heroes lost and just like that like yeah. the end of like that that music should have been playing at the end of infinity war when thanos snapped his fingers and just all like dust, all yeah. these all these things and like all and like it's just iron man looking around like what what the i fucked up and then just like seeing spider-man die in his arms like it's just, just very sweeping music and it, that whole scene especially right there is just so heartbreaking where you see like she's so close to just like being able to call her parents and she at that point has been stabbed so much as she can't even talk where it's just like oh my fucking god <laughs> that, that's why then, i let that's why i left that little bit in there of just the, ah, but that's what i mean ah, but that's so good like that's that doesn't yeah. sound that sounds so believable of just like the and it's it kind of shows how brilliant Wes Craven was at making these movies when he had the material to work with 
when he had the right script, Wes Craven was one of the best hard directors ever. Um, without a doubt, you know, he made Freddy and this, uh, he made Freddy Krueger and he had a little dip and all the sequels that he wasn't involved in right there in the beginning, which I love that part where it's just yeah, like, I, he yeah. got it out of the way. He got it out of the way almost just like, <laughs> he's like, I, I just need to shit on these other movies that I wasn't a part of like immediately. Let's, let's just get that out. <laughs> and just these movies I fucking hated th- yeah. and because I didn't get money for them. Yeah. That's, which that's is probably why. Yeah, no, exactly. Where he like probably only got like story credit. Uh, he was involved in two of the sequels, but that's a whole other story that we can go into. But well, I, West I, Cra- we should talk about like the kind of the legacy of the movie. But yeah. one last thing I want to touch upon the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is just I watched a video after this is my first time seeing Scream. I don't think we established whose first time it was seeing. No, Scream. we did. We did earlier. Um, I mentioned you never seen it. So <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, anyway. I watched a video where a guy literally has a, a map sequence, like an overhead of the house, and it has Billy and Stu and Drew Barrymore, uh, who's Casey, right? That's, that's yeah, Casey. Name? Yeah, Casey, where she is in the house, and and then the bo- wherever the boyfriend comes from too, because Stu is the one that sets that up in the back mm-hmm. of the house while Billy's talking on the phone, because Billy's the suave out of the two. Billy's. I think swab. Billy's usually the one on the on the phone, and oh, Stu's for sure. the one doing the killing. If I had to guess, uh, oh it, no, it's it for sure. That's what the guy was saying in this video. But it, it it was like an overhead view, and it times out the entire sequence, and mm-hmm. and it's like all the locations of these two. Because like in my first watch, I didn't know it was happening. I yeah. I literally knew that Courtney Co- Courtney Cox and and David Arquette met in this movie and I knew the was up commercials. And I literally was like, I thought that was going to like be in this movie for a minute. Just like, Oh, what's up? because yeah, that, that's, in, that's in scary movie, which is a weird yeah. thing where it's a parody and a parody or, or satire yeah. rather. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was getting it. I was like, why? Cause it, it uses the same mask. And I'm like, why yeah. isn't, why, where's the was up scene coming? And I was like this, that in my back of my brain's like, Tim, it's not yeah. this movie. So, so when, when you, when I first was telling you about like screamers in my top five, were you thinking of just like mostly scary movie being like, what the fuck trash is Tommy talking about? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, well, I didn't really is think there was going to be like a, like a real heart to it and like an actual like fleshed out story and all the characters are fleshed out enough for this kind of a movie where yeah, like you actually get explanations. Like I've seen enough of like trash horror like like yeah. slasher 80s garbage like your freddy and jason's and stuff like that <laughs> well not even those but like well like nightmare on elm street's a fantastic movie um, yeah but it, it's the it's like i'm talking like the stuff that went like straight to vhs like i've seen oh, like yeah. the best of the worst of those like the compilations of them where you know it's just a guy with an erection filming topless girls and and like like the like very exploitative (laughs) you think that guy was choreographing where the killers were going to be like where the killer was going to be in the house where people were going to be like do you think he thought that logic out or do you think i could probably get some actresses to take their tops off because i'll pay him ten thousand dollars of this guy's money from the hills like that yeah that's what that's what a lot of horror is and that's what this is definitely playing off of yeah too but i just think that like it just in the first 10 minutes of that movie, you see the polish and you see like the love and the care and the craft in the sequencing. Cause when you think about it, like I had no idea. I didn't, I thought it, maybe it's like some magical guy in the woods, like some twin peak shit. Yeah. I have no idea, but nope, it's two killers. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Cause there's a lot of weird cuts where you're like, 
human. How could he be this. in two places at once? Yeah, yeah, a human <laughs> couldn't do this, and I get, and that, that's the movie telling you. But I'm just not thinking of it like that. Yeah, and I, it, it really like kind of like blew my mind seeing it like that, and that's when you see like, like what separates a Wes Craven from like others. Because I know Wes Craven, he really only he has the hills have eyes, right? Like the original, mm-hmm. he has. Sk- he has uh, Scream and he has Nightmare on Elm Street, but like every not not a ton else has been like rose to the level of Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. Like, exactly like, oh. of his two franchises, those are pretty much his uh, big ones. Um, I've been on such a Wes Craven binge lately. Um, his other movies are not really as like some are okay, but I mean like he has like an Eddie Murphy movie where Eddie Murphy is a vampire, and the less said about that movie, the better. It was very mediocre. And pretty much really, like, that's disappointing. It wasn't just like a train wreck bad worth watching or like good because that's it was like a pretty it solid its, pairing. It had its moments where like Eddie Murphy is like doing his like funny shit, or like he's like playing. This is the beginning of Eddie Murphy playing like 20 characters on screen at once, so it really leaned into that a little bit. So it, to extent, it was kind of funny, but it was kind of like, ah, this is kind of mediocre at points. <laughs> if you really want to understand uh, Eddie Murphy in Dr. Doolittle and in Norbert and in all of those movies, uh, this and uh, what, what's the one where he was the, he was the big guy. Oh, the, the, the nutty professor. Yeah. 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 And Clumps. the nutty professor. <laughs> if you want to understand, if you want to understand how Eddie Murphy really established, watch this Wes Craven, Eddie Murphy movie. It's a uh, vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> vampire in Brooklyn. You watch Vampire in and that Brooklyn. came out um, about a year before Scream. So uh, I guess that was going... 95. Yeah, Scream was ninety six. This was ninety five. So Wes Craven was kind of in a point in his career where he had Nightmare on Elm Street, and he directed a sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street about two years before Scream, called uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and that really, in some ways, it was kind of like a predecessor to Scream, a kind of like a spiritual. Um, prequel i guess or, or where basically the plot of that movie is that freddy attacks the real life actors from the original nightmare on elm street movie and Wes craven plays himself he he has uh the head of new line cinema playing himself the original actors from nightmare on elm street playing herself and it's very meta in the way that scream is but nobody gave a shit about the movie did terrible at the box office and at this point in horror you know your freddy your jason's your michael's your chucky's and Leatherface's. We're at the point where they're on like their fourth or fifth sequel. And at that point, all the sequels were just trash. I love them, but they're trash. (laughs) They're just like horror does have that distinct quality. And it's, I think it's one of the, I'm not the biggest horror head, but the reason I can, I'll always respect horror is that it's usually low budget and you can Mm -hmm. usually get a director to come in and do something They'll do something that you've never seen before in a horror movie where if I yeah. see that romantic comedy that looks uh, like uh, I've probably seen it 700 times because it's the same script and the same camera work and the same lighting and the same actors. I feel like ho- what makes horror distinct is that, it, as you said, like it has its moments like, yeah, give me give me like a vampire in Brooklyn. All right. Give me the five minute cut up here. I, that's all I need to see. I don't need the rest of the context. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things. Horror, I think, is the um, easy my favorite genre of all movies, and it's because it's the I think, in my opinion, the only genre where even if the movie is bad, it's at least going to be fun, or at least you're going to have some fun taking the piss out of it. <laughs> and yeah, it's like you, that in action are the only two. But I guess, but you know what the yeah. thing is when they just kind of fall in the middle, especially those two genres, like mm. and it, kind of most movies when they just kind of fall in the middle. It's like, 
Eh, it's okay, I, got, I guess, but it's just boring or something like that, you know? <laughs> like, I think back to those movies where I'm like, they're not technically bad. They're fine. The right, the yeah. story makes sense. But I'm like, nothing memorable happened in this. And it was so by the books. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that, like, I love the Friday the 13th movies. And I know that they're trash. But they're one of those movies that I can have a couple friends over and we can you know have a couple of beers or something like that and play a drinking game to the friday the 13th movie and laugh about how crazy and shitty the stupid kills were or oh my god can you believe like how bad the actor was on this scene right here <laughs> yeah it's that well isn't chris crispin glover who is the father and back to the future he's george mcfly he's yeah. in one of the the he's yeah he's in one of uh friday the 13th part four with Corey feldman of all people and there's one scene, uh, you should look this up on YouTube. In Friday the 13th Part 4, Crispin Glover does a dance to some 80s hair metal song. And it's the craziest, weirdest, fucking bizarrest dance you've ever seen in your life. And it's just like, oh my fucking God, what the hell is going on here? But what, 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 is, it, what, is, his move, what is his movements? Very like spazzy. And he's like, like you're not seeing what I'm doing on the podcast. This is audio. But like, Tim's just seeing me spazzy. He's going like this and that. And like fucking just moving his I'm, hands to one I'm watching him. Other. I'm watching him use his arms to make his boobs bounce. That's pretty much what I'm doing. What I'm viewing over, yeah. the, over the screen. Yeah. This is this is uh, all the action you're missing out on if you're uh, only getting the audio here. <laughs> well, you're not getting the video because we are, we don't know how to do that so and no if one, somebody no wants to see this video <laughs> and if but if somebody wants to help us out you know reach out we're trying to grow the channel yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah no it's just one of those things where it's just like yeah like even the cheesiest ones i can still appreciate where i can't say the same for a shitty drama or a shitty like comedy because a shitty no, comedy sh- is just boring well, shitty co- oh no no shitty co- it depends on how far it goes if it's oh yeah when it's like epic movie and it's just like generic and just like we know this isn't funny but these are jokes that people will get reference like, reference 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 it's when it's all referential humor it's terrible when yeah. somebody makes something just horrendously bad like a comedy but they think it's funny like, i mean isn't that kind of what tim and eric is like it just you have to get on that meta level of like understanding that like the they're, humor they're aware this, this is, is stupid is, yes like they're aware of how stupid this is like get you have to get on that referential level with you know it's a yeah. mind that's why it's not for everybody but the people who love it love it because they understand that that it's like this is comedy why can't we just be as silly as we want to be it's that but yeah horror as a whole but where do you think where do you think scream is in the horror realm like like in terms of like its impact because one of those movies like i thought it was i thought it was scary movie but it's nothing like scary movie scary movie yeah like i said it's weird because scream is i wouldn't call it a parody it's more of a satire i think the difference is a satire takes it a little bit more seriously and it's not like yeah just... oh it's not yeah it's not a parody it's it's definitely more satirical and so, just like uh, and smart about it too so it's one of those things while they're making fun of like you know all the slasher movies they're still at the same time making a good slasher movie which is kind of a weird delicate line that like is hard to pull off but um in terms of its impact i think that scream this might be bold but i think scream might be the most important horror movie of the 90s um because like i said at that time nobody really cared about horror for the most part like most horror movies weren't really grossing that well unless it was like interview with the vampire with tom cruise which that's probably more of like a romantic drama than it is more of a straight out horror movie. That's like a prequel to Twilight. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like romantic dramas and whatever. But like I said earlier, nobody really cared about your typical Hall of Fame slashers like Jason and whatever. So after Scream came out, all these, you can see it in like the late 90s where a lot of fucking uh, studios 
especially Miramax, uh, wanted to do their own version of Scream. Um, Scream, so you had Scream 2, obviously. You had, uh, I know what you did last summer, which was written by the same guy, uh, Kevin Williamson. You had Urban Legend, which was terrible. And you had The Faculty, written by the same guy as Scream, which was great. And it's like a lot of like different 90s slasher movies where it's like, okay, let's take the hottest TV star of today and put him in this random slasher movie and we'll see how it works out. And that was basically the template of horror for about four or five years uh, right after Scream came out. And people actually so, started caring about it. Uh, maybe this movie then that I think would probably just in today's like horror landscape be more impactful from the 90s and i think it's the only other one i could even think of that could even contend with it i think scream's the better movie i think scream is the one that like if you're trying to build a really good well-polished horror movie you do this but it's it's the blair witch project oh well yeah blair witch is uh, that's I'd the say- most info that's the most that's the most impactful horror movie from the 90s this is probably the best horror movie from the 90s well, it, yeah, and definitely in terms of like his Blair Witch essentially birthed the genre. I mean, you had found footage movies that were before that, but they didn't really have any impact and nobody really cared about them. So, but yeah, literally, you can't say that Scream birthed the genre like Blair Witch did. <laughs> so let's go. We got to talk about one specific character. Okay. And before we just mention the character, I need to talk about representation in movies and how important it is. No, because it's true. Yeah. And for think about how diverse a lot of our movies have become. And, and I think that's great. I'm a total champion of it. A lot of people are now seeing who they see themselves as and who they want to be now on screen. It's, some, it's very relatable and it brings in a bigger audience. But you have to understand for Tommy, when he first saw this movie, he saw the movie character that he dreams of being. And his name is Randy and he's a horror movie nerd and he knows the rules of horror movies. Don't you know the rules? What rules? You don't... Jesus Christ, you don't know the rules? Have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, Number one, you can never have sex. Big no no, big no. Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. No, the sin factor. It's a sin, it's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. You see, you push the laws and you end up dead. How many times have you repeated that monologue to people like in college and then everybody left the room? (laughs) Like a fucking thousand times where you try and go on those nerdy movie tangents and people are just like, can we just talk about something else right here? Can we shut the fuck up? (laughs) I tried to once do the, the bat scene, the the bear Jew scene from Glorious Bastards and people like him, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I've had a lot of beer. So please just- I, I guess my closest thing to Randy was uh, in college when I would get very drunk at the end of the night, um, I would put on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and that would clear out everyone. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, it's great. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. There's 70s songs and, I, and people would hear me drunkenly screaming out uh, the Pina Colada song. And everyone's like, well, why, why are we here now? 
and whenever you had you know you brought a girl back to your apartment it, the night would always end like this and she'd run out screaming you listen you little bitch you hang up on me again i'll cut you like a fish understand that's pretty much right how accurate is that you'd try to make a scream reference and the girl would actually run out screaming I've actually showed um, a girl I was dating uh, Scream back in high school. <laughs> and she was very like, I don't want to watch a fucking horror movie. I was like, this isn't that bad. Come on, come on. <laughs> the relationship ended very soon after. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's real. So, um, but no, Randy, especially that scene right there. Um, I, I've watched this movie now, like probably 20 or like 30 times at this point. Let's be real. And every time during that scene that we just showed, when um, immediately when he's like, you don't know the rules, and he puts down his beer and just clangs it down and starts shouting at people and telling everyone, I lose my shit every time. I fucking die laughing. It just Jamie, Jamie Kennedy's character is such a fucking douche. Well, <laughs> he's, he's, he's you, Tommy. He, he's literally what would happen to you in a horror movie. You would talk about horror movies the entire time. Then the killer would come. You'd get stabbed. You wouldn't die. Then you would try to save the hero and then get like pushed down by somebody and yeah. then just lie down there until it ends and then like climb out with the girl. Pretend, that, pretend that's exactly. That's exact. You you would literally lie there and pretend dead. Like, oh, my yeah. friends are dying. Well, it, 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 this, this hurts, <laughs> though. I just wish I had my switch to play 2K. Yeah, right. Like, as I play 2K in the background, I make sure the killer is, like, not nearby me. And I'm like, okay, like, cool. <laughs> um, where I love that scene, too, because it reminds me of uh, Timmy and I have a thing with our friends where we do... Uh, movie nights a lot and a lot of beers are involved and it's exactly like that scene where we're all cheering and hollering and be like oh my god what <laughs> it's great yeah it's it's called movie roulette you'll learn about it someday that ending i you know the whole movie i think is really well paced and like the the second act is kind of just like a soapy drama with a little horror sprinkled in and <laughs> it's really about sydney you know, coming to terms with the fact that her mother was a giant hoe bag and this death <laughs> The, the death of the death of Casey is bringing all of this back up because now Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox, who met her future husband or ex-husband, however you want to say it. Yeah. David Arquette. That, they met. This was the first time of the meeting, I would assume. Right. They haven't met beforehand. They literally um, I think Courtney said something along the lines of in um, Scream 1, they were just flirting. Scream 2. They were sneaking off in each other's trailers, and by Scream Three, they had their own trailers individually. <laughs> so, are exactly. they their own trailers for each other? <laughs> oh yeah, I got yeah. Like a, they got they got the double joint. wide. They, they got the they double got the, wide. They got the joint trailer. Yeah. Well, so, I feel like if, um, I, if I had trailer privileges, uh, I don't want to share that with anybody. Like I, uh, I don't care if you're together. You're spending all this time. I don't know. Just come over. I, yeah. I want my own space. If you want your own space whatever exactly so um so what are your thoughts on uh gail weathers and dewey um in this movie <laughs> uh i thought it was interesting it's probably one of the not that it's clunky because it's not bad and it's just to, to bring gail in and i actually like that yeah she's a scumbag but one she she was right like she's the scumbag that's she, you know at the, especially her first five minutes like she's completely ruthless yeah chasing sydney out of like a police station to get an interview where she just caught clocks her in the face which is awesome sydney, sydney clocks scale weathers which is amazing awesome 
and I love that. I love the movie. They have so many points like this in the movie where it's almost like a recap of the previous scene. Or right after that, you have uh, Tatum played by Rose McGowan just being like, "Oh yeah." Then you just punched uh, Courtney Cox in the face. Bam! Super bitch down. Sydney, awesome. <laughs> uh, Rose McGowan when she still had hair. What a tragedy. I don't know. It's one of those things, like I said, watching this movie 20 times, there's one scene. I don't know if you caught this part with Dewey, played by uh, David Arquette. Dewey, basically, for people who haven't seen the movie or haven't watched it in a while, is this bumbling cop, essentially. And there's one scene where he's with the sheriff, and they're talking about how uh, all these killers and all this crazy stuff. And the sheriff, the whole time while he's talking, uh, is taking a drag of the cigarette. And Dewey has a cone of ice cream the whole time. And he's matching uh, the sheriff taking a puff of his cigarette with him licking the ice cream cone. And every time, it wasn't until recently I had to call this, but like, I was like, oh my God, this is the most hilarious part of the movie where Dewey just looking like a fucking child and they're really bringing home, this guy's such a fucking inexperienced doofus. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's why it kind of works. Like, yeah, it's kind of forced. Like, well, she's flirting with him at first just to get information and and it works and that that makes sense because she she's totally a you know dirtbag trying to get information on like kids who lost their parents but they when she go when they go to that party together and dewey invites her on a walk i think she starts to i think she likes having somebody that impressionable because she likes to she's she manipulates uh impressionable viewers like i mean that's kind of what the news is job is to a reporter's job is to make an impression on you and but she kind of just warms up to somebody who's kind of like not taking that seriously because i think her thing is that it's like she does gotcha journalism which may be right but people don't take you seriously as a journalist as a gotcha journalist and she really wants to use the sydney's mother's death case to release the book to with conspiracy theories to kind of legitimize herself it really works well. Like I think the pairing works well. Uh, David Arquette is nowhere near good looking enough for Courtney Cox, but that's just another story. <laughs> it, it, it may, maybe while they were ex, but uh, it, it's one of those things where Dewey even uh, trying to flirt with Gail is just so awkward in the movie where he says stuff where he's like, oh, like they're walking out together. And he asks her, um, this is things you pick up on after watching the movie so many times where... <laughs> He's like, oh, do you know what that star is right there? And she's like, no. And he's like, do you know? And he's like, no, I, I was asking you because I thought you knew. No, I, I like that. I, I like that line. That was one of my one of more more favorite lines. Yeah. And <laughs> while that's all going on, that's when the big reveal of Billy and Stu. I guess one of my hangups is it makes like is Billy like a brainwasher? Do they go into this in the sequels? There's legitimately no reason Stu at 17 years old should just throw his life away to just be like billy's partner i, I do i do love that they touch sociopathic the, games i i do love that they touched on upon a little bit i think that like um so Stu and billy we really haven't touched upon them really yet so skeet orch is billy and Stu is matthew Lillard. i love Stu just saying uh after billy gives this huge motive of like why he's killing everyone why he wants to kill sydney um and then huge expo- expository dialogue and then she asks Stu like why do you do it and he's like peer pressure <laughs> yeah yeah and then what, what was and billy billy's was like like oh i don't know maybe your whole bag mom was cheating on my dad and that's why my mom abandoned me yeah like exactly. like, the, like he actually has like a motive where Stu just uh the end like they they didn't try to exhaust some like stupid revenge thing that wasn't underlying there they just tried to 
they just tried to be like yeah we got nothing yeah but because matthew lillard is just so fucking funny especially even when he's trying to be menacing in the movie for me it kind of works for just i think especially when he's trying to be menacing because he's just not menacing but it but he has a gun in his hand so he's kind of men like he's only menacing because of the gun he's not menacing because of anything else matthew lillard is literally like overacting like crazy and it fucking is amazing where he's just like well guess what baby it's gonna be a scream and it's like all right (laughs) He was he was overacting to begin with. Yeah, from, he, from be- like from the beginning, he was overacting. He, Wes Craven probably said like overact the shit out of this. Like we want you to be off the reservation. Yeah, and for me it works. He's like I think one of my favorite characters in the movie easily. So his performance, even when um, so to go on a quick tangent real quick, I actually went to a horror fest back in September to go. And Billy and Stu, so Matthew Lillard and uh, Skeet Ulrich were there. And even in person, Matthew Lillard is just that rapid fire, that fucking funny, that just over the top manic energy where it's just like, oh God, you can see why he was cast in this role. A little, little cocaine on him? Maybe, maybe, maybe back then at least. <laughs> but, yeah, I Scream, very good movie. Like very, very, very good movie. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Who stole the movie for you, Tommy? Like I just was talking, Matthew Lillard, I think, is my MVP, the star of the movie. Um, him just going off crazy in the end reveal scene where Billy's more just like a little, a little menacing and you have the little comic relief of Matthew Lillard saying stuff where he's like, my mom and dad are going to kill me when uh, when they find out and everything like that. He just goes over the top and every time he makes me laugh. He's why I look forward to the most when I'm rewatching this movie over and over and over again. <laughs> and maybe it's just because it's my first watch through it, I think. And we didn't really touch on her, but Neve Campbell as Sydney, I think she carry not that she has to carry a lot, but it, I feel like in a lot of horror movies, it's really hard. Like people just tend to not give a shit about like the main human. It, and I think mm-hmm. Neve Campbell did a really good job of making herself kind of accessible in that way and making her a part of like the story that you're able to connect to and to actually have like a legitimate, you know, mental hurdle she needs to overcome with her mother's with her mother's death and kind of coming to the realization that her mother wasn't who she thought she was. I think it's really I think she's really good. I mean, Drew, I, we mentioned it. Drew Barrymore in the first scene just sells you into the movie. But I, I would personally say, I think, Neve Campbell. And I think that's a strong choice. I mean, um, usually in these horror movies, the final girl only is in one movie or um, gets killed off very quickly in the sequel. And it's a testament to the Scream series that Sydney's been, she's going to be the new one coming up that we're about to see. <laughs> whoa, 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 spoilers, dude. I haven't seen any of the other ones. So, spoiler, spoilers for Scream 2 through 4, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Okay. All right, Tommy, does this movie work as a Muppet adaptation? No, but I want to see a Muppet slasher movie where it's just fucking insane Muppets, just like all the felt coming out or something like that with a ghost face color or something. That'd be amazing. I, I agree with you in a traditional Muppet adaptation. Yeah, but in a Muppet adaptation where Ghostface is replaced by by a by a Muppet, yeah, and everybody else is human, and they're just taking a Muppet like <laughs> dead straight serious as a killer. Yeah, the is, puppet killers. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. That like that ad- that Muppet adaptation works. So if, if you had to recast it, who would be Ghostface uh, in the Muppet cast? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, who? I kind of want to just see Fozzie Bear just to just what? to see people like overacting. That's that Frank Oz voice. It's just so ridiculous. Waka Waka. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I just I, and just just Drew Barrymore being cut in. Like I don't know. I guess I like I like Halloween. <laughs> I, I want to see this. We need to, somebody needs to green light the Muppet uh, remake of fucking Scream. I, I have I have uh, I have Walt Disney on on, on speed dial. I'll I'll, I'll get yeah. in touch with them. Don't worry. Cryogenics and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, through the cryogenics. Um, yeah. So ratings, Tommy. All right. So like I said, this is a top five movie for me. Um, so five stars out of five. Um, it's one of those movies that. I can rewatch this movie constantly. And in fact, I've seen this five year, uh, five times in the past year. Just rewatch it over and over again. I just love the little mix between horror and comedy and how it's able to take, uh, take the piss out of itself, but still deliver great horror moments and really great snappy teen dialogue and like great teen characters and stuff like that. So this is one of my favorite movies. I love it. Five stars. So I, I'm giving this four four out of five i think i'm not the biggest horror fan but i think this really exceeded my expectations it's a great movie it really is if you've never seen it definitely watch it also if you're not if you're like very not blood like horror movie thing like it's really i think it's really mild in that regard too for like an r-rated horror movie to that's still scary and still has those moments but it's on the milder side i also just want to say one other thing I like how not dated a movie from 1996 is like there's only like one real 90s song in there in the music. Oh, the like one, the, the wardrobe, the the well, the the movie, the, the movie story. Yeah, Tommy, I I know, I know, I know that's dated, but it, well, no, no, we'll, we'll touch upon one part. I just want to mention the one part of the movie that I think that ages worst is when they talk about how Billy got caught with a cellular telephone, and they keep on bringing that up. He's like, why do you have that cellular telephone? Yeah, and they keep on renting like that. They're like, why do you have that cellular telephone there, Billy? And if it was today, I'd be like, yeah, like everyone has one. What the fuck are you talking about? But those guys at those time would call that a cellular telephone. It's like it's like any parent seeing like an Xbox and being like, How's that Nintendo you got there, son? Like it's the same, it's the same thing. Exactly. But so it it wasn't super dated and uh like police jeeps in those like 1990s movies and like like twin peaks with like awesome cars just just straight up awesome cars gotta just throw it in there at the end four to five great movie scream five also known as scream coming up next there's certain rules to surviving believe me i know they always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different. You're all in danger. Bob? Well, Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. You said we were going to finish this. Go finish it, Sydney.
He's dead. Only in theater and special previews Thursday at 7 p.m. Get tickets now. So welcome all back in. We are about to start discussing Scream 5. Before we start going into heavy spoilers, I'm just going to give a quick little my general thoughts on Scream as it's so dubbed boldly for a movie that is quite a reboot. It kind of actually reminds me a little bit of another reboot from just a couple of years ago that went by its apt title. Is it kind of like a Ghostbusters 2016? Or could it be something a little bit more? Something for a big group of fans, perhaps? Chewy, we're home. So this is called Scream, but it should have been called Scream, The Ghost Face Awakens. Tommy, give me your thoughts. Yeah, so... um... You're not wrong in that aspect. It did follow similar plot beats, but also at the same time in that Scream fashion, um, it did comment on like pretty much the requels and stuff like that in a very Scream fashion. Scream 2 does something similar. Um, it very felt much of a very part of the franchise. I did like how they just had like meta commentary on it. For me as a Scream fan, I really liked it. So <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So I'm looking at it as I two days ago, I saw Scream for the first time. Yeah. And then two days later, I just watched the same fucking movie. Uh, okay, we're getting into spoilers. The third act takes place in the same goddamn house from the first movie. They literally set it in the same place. I don't care about like the plot beats. It's literally the same. I, like I started That's to notice the movie. it. They, they filled into the movie. They, they yeah, but it was. Much get, mm, the, mm, the difference is that Scream is very self-aware of what it's doing. And it's very. Yes, but it got, I, for me, it went way like the the first one knows what it's doing but it's not in your face about it it's just like these are horror movie fans and these are this guy knows the rules of them and these people laugh at them and then it all happens this one is like a lit a literal just comment on on the state of horror movie fans like toxic fandom and just so referential like it was like like half of that script is just referential well, yeah, a lot of these three movies are. Um, so as someone who has seen the sequels, uh, unlike you, this very felt much, very much in line with a lot of the sequels. Uh, Scream 2, for example, just commented on sequels so much to the point that they had a whole scene of characters talking about like if like Terminator 2 was better than like Aliens and stuff like that. And very much like these are the beats that would happen in this sequel and very commented on it. Which, which, one, which one's better, Terminators or Terminator 2 or Aliens? Terminator 2. Cameron, that's correct. Yeah, that is Cam- that is Cameron, correct. It's very close though. No, I don't. I don't even think it's T two is just like a masterpiece. Aliens is great, but but Aliens it, built him cl- up to T two. But this is okay. not a movie about James. Movie podcast about James Cameron's Terminator two because we both seen it. God damn it! This is a, lot. a podcast about a movie we both just saw a half an hour ago. We just got out of the theater. Yeah, literally. So this is our very much instant reactions right here. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would agree, uh, not having seen it, it felt very in line with the Scream franchise. It felt very much like, because this is the first one without uh, Wes Craven directing it. They even, mm-hmm. the end of the movie, say for Wes at the end of it, because it was very much his, especially towards the end of his career, very much his franchise. Yeah. So, uh, Scream franchise is one of the only franchises where up until this one where Wes Craven directed every single one. 
and was involved in every single one. Like, yeah, you, I saw that on yeah, his, like you, IMDb. Scream two, Scream three, Scream four, all Wes Craven. Um, usually in a fucking horror franchise, it's like okay, after the first one, the uh, director has nothing to do with the sequels, and he's like, ah, we, I don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's that tends to be what happens. I yeah, I don't hate this movie. Okay, and maybe it's because I just haven't seen the other ones, and I don't know if it like f- follows that flow, but it just felt like it it was so beat for beat though like like just not not so much in the plot of the story just in the characters like the characters were just some there's some points of it where it felt kind of like annoying where like i did like the first half in terms of like the kills and stuff like that yeah i thought the i thought the kills were great like the kills of the like the the drunk guy got into a fight with uh what what was the friend's name uh the, um, one of one of the friends they got in a fight in the bar uh so pretty much there's yeah. this guy who's like a creep that's in on the high school kids and ghostface attacks him uh yeah. played by uh fucking kyle gowner i think his name is kyle he, gowner. yeah yeah he was in uh nightmare on elm street remake too so uh <laughs> see so up. i i don't i think that's the only kill to me that's not super clear or maybe I just can't remember if so spoiler alert a young girl in Woodboro, California gets attacked but this time she actually lives in the first opening minutes very reminiscent uh Tara gets attacked and she has a group of friends just like in the original scream yeah and I like I had thought that one of her friends who I think his name was Chad right yeah, Chad was the kid. I'm, I'm looking at him right now on IMDb. He's twins. He was um, Randy's nephew. They were, he, I, they, he got into a fight with this kill. And I, I was like convinced that him and the girlfriend or him and the sister were going to be like, you know. Yeah. So how did the movie do as a whodunit for you in terms of like, were you shocked by the surprises? I, I started suspecting the suspect. I started, I kind of put uh, Jack Quaid's character out of my brain. I did not, yeah. not expect. I thought he was eliminated immediately. He was like, okay, he's not a part of this. Richie, Richie, yeah, like him just being completely out of town. But I, you know, the one thing this just doesn't have, and well, one, we don't spend enough time with like the friends mm-hmm. for the first two acts of the movie for it to then, for them to just like the original one, you spend enough time with each of like the, important people they each get like a little bit of a moment outside of um, what's what's the main what's live uh sydney uh, they, yeah that's, that's sydney the main girl yeah they get they get a little bit more spotlight and they you just get to know them a little better and it makes it adds to the who's done it who done it side of it and then we come in and it's just all these people and i'm like why would these people be a who done like we don't know any of these people so i don't it's kind of hard to guess who would be the who done it well they, they miss like an hour they're out of it for like an hour of the movie that, that is they get to the party a, scene it's, it, there's a big part of like a lot of these requels that scream is like satirizing where it's just like the balance between the new characters and like the legacy characters like they even yeah. say straightforward and scream it's always a tricky line. There's been very few requels that have been able to do it. Or like, for example, like Blade Runner, where like Harrison Ford doesn't show up until like half of the movie. Yeah, sequel. but that but that that is like beautiful because it's just it's not his story. He just happens to be the. That's why I loved that movie because it's not it's not folk it's not he's not a focal point. He's in the last yeah. thirty minutes of the movie, and that's like what build like the marketing of the movie almost ruined that for you because you're like, well, I'm expecting Harrison Ford. 
and it's Blade yeah. Runner, so they have to put a Harrison Ford in the advertisements because nobody's going to go see Blade Runner in a movie theater. They guess what? No one saw the movie anyways. That's what I'm saying. They've proven that two times now. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to go see a Blade Runner movie in the theaters. Harrison Ford or not, like, just fuck that the franchise, apparently. <laughs> but I think I was very, I was surprised by the whodunit and then Amber, who she's the tease in the beginning of yeah. uh, Ghostface on the phone being like, I hacked your friend's phone. So was this like, I'm, you know, we talked about in the first one, the choreography and how like in sync of it, everything was. So Richie was Jack Quaid, who's one of the killers. Richie was up there, attacked her, but Tara didn't, or not Tara, uh, Amber didn't know about it him yet and then they met at the hospital when the sister who's been is that what they said comes up I, I don't that's what they were saying during the like they were doing the preamble of how these two paired it literally made no fucking sense no no what, what i what i what i gathered from it was that um richie and amber met on like uh, a reddit site like months before the movie happened and they started talking about stab and they started getting connected that way and they tried to like, play it off as like they didn't know each other, so no one would suspect either of them as the two yeah, killers. That's probably it. Yeah, she calls him like honey, but it's not explained at all. Like a literal. They don't explain, met... like, yeah, did these two people date or ever? Like, what? <laughs> we met on stabforums.com. <laughs> Slashers are us. <laughs> yeah, what, what, whatever. Slashers yeah. only. <laughs> yes, on, only slashers.com. <laughs> only slashers. <laughs> it would, yeah, it would not be a it just, that was the part of it that just kind of didn't make a ton of though sense i'll say me. this when the movie started um in terms of the whodunit aspect i was thinking for a while that amber seemed obvious as fuck she was just like immediately just like very off-putting well you like, know that, like, you know who well you know who that actress is right who mikey madison do you recognize her from another movie um it's a movie she... i know you have seen is this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah, she plays Sexy Sadie in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she's the, I think she's the one that gets uh, torched in the back. Spoiler alert. Pos- oh, please. <laughs> there's no spoilers in that movie. That movie is just like kind of, that's a hangout movie. There's there's not a spoiler because there's not really a plot to that movie. It's all True. it's all sold, baby. That's what makes it beautiful. Yeah, do, do you recommend uh, it, though? <laughs> I 100% recommend that movie. Yeah, this is... This is just, it's a weird case of, okay, it's, this was clearly meant to be a 2021 release, but due to COVID, they probably fucked with the scheduling, right? Because, yeah. like, they even said almost 25 years, 25 years to the day at the end of the movie, like, being referential to it, they felt... Well, well just, just because the movie uh, was released in January doesn't mean the movie takes place in January. <laughs> no, no, I know that, but I'm saying... But we're talking about the release of the movie. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, that doesn't have to time up. I'm saying they probably went into production in 2019, like, end of 2019, early 20, looking, well, slating for... Well, to be fair, a, this only came out, like, a month... Uh, 25 days and a month after the original screen came out, because the original screen came out in December, so it's not that far off. You think about I'm it. surprised they didn't give it a December. I guess you just don't give a horror movie a December release with when they're going against like the yeah. Matrix and Spider Man. Like you, like this is the movie You're that people go to see when they're just looking to do just to get out of the house in the snow and they can't do anything outside. Yeah, and I had. A, well, how was your theater? How was your theater? Uh, very empty for the most part. Not that many people, to be honest. And uh, I feel like I was the person laughing the most, or like, of course, you were. 
at one point I said like fuck yeah Dewey when Dewey was like going after Ghostface even though I know oh, like no <laughs> I was thank trying to God be that I guy wasn't. thank God I, I that was wasn't the only there. time that, that was the only time I said that I said that right when like a crash happened so no one could really hear me saying it <laughs> we had one I heard one audible and I can't even remember what it was but it was a it was a comment back at the screen where they asked one of those kind of self referential but this time it wasn't self referential yeah and 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 they're like uh so you don't die dummy or something like that and it got like a very mild lap but we probably it was like a 400 seater i think it said on the outside and i want to say there was like 180 maybe yeah which isn't Uh, bad for the thursday before of like the fifth of a horror franchise in the middle of january with the with covid still going on i feel like that's pretty fair for me it was like a hundred hundred capacity theater with maybe like 20 30 people in there uh, yeah that's not that's about yeah it's probably what we expect with theaters and everything like that um you almost i think tomorrow they- i think tomorrow you'll probably get bigger crowds it's also still like a work night technically like this is the one for the people that just can't wait to see this movie and then Timmy or they have to, to do this or, for a podcast <laughs> yes pretty much is essentially essentially or i have to do this for a podcast yeah so we're making this into work for Timmy, where it's like, oh, fuck, I have to go to see Scream 5, which should have been called Five Cream. We've talked about this. No, Tommy, they, you know why they called it that. <laughs> if there's a running It was joke a self-referential parody of the 2016 ghostbusters and that's going to make me like the movie if they if somebody hears this podcast who's working on screen and you really want to take some some deep shots at a really bad reboot attempt and make it a part of your lore yeah just just like venmo me like five grand and we're good i swear to so god is this our new this is our new running joke where we just trash the 2016 ghostbusters <laughs> every time a- any chance i get <laughs> any chance you can so I'll, I'll I'll say what I said always. It was all right. I, I thought it, it was okay. It was it was literally the I was like forming it like the first thing I thought of was Timmy like was the on ghost the 4chan face. Red boards talking about this. Yes, I, the first thing I thought of was the ghost face awakens, and then I'm <laughs> go like, and then and then like I'm I was like walking back from the movie theater, and I just I'm just thinking I'm like, oh, oh wait what scale what where is this in the spectrum because the best reboot is still the force awakens even though it's hasn't aged as well it is still a really 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 good delivering of what the fans want and 2016 ghostbusters is not and it's not for anybody i I don't know it's just a move it's a weird movie but that's not what this podcast is about this is a podcast about screen five (laughs) Screen. David Arquette. David Arquette was back as Dewey. Mm-hmm. What did he, you think of him? He definitely filled in. If we're talking about the Force Awakens, uh, he definitely filled in the Han Solo um, role, <laughs> like one for one almost. For um, but David Arquette, I thought was really good. I haven't seen him in the movie in a minute. Um, I thought he played the kind of just like Dewey in the fourth one was like the sheriff of the town and like really good and like everything. And then Dewey this time was just broken, depressed, and an alcoholic i think you played that well like the guy who just like couldn't get past the fact that gail like divorced him yeah i loved i loved 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 that he just was like a depressed 
raving lunatic who is just like yeah. drinking and watching his ex-wife do her morning show every day and like yeah. did he have a sign underneath of like the the morning show with gail weathers or the today show whatever whatever the hell they were the morning show every yeah. yeah oh so i'm looking at david arquette's um imdb page you he has been in a lot of stuff but he is currently in the fate like in like the john cusack stage of like the direct to to red box garbage of, oh yeah yeah of like some italian guy will pay him to be an action star for two weeks and and he gets to be an action star and the movie's terrible like have you heard of the beautiful 2099 the soldier protocol he is dr emmett snyder oh god no <laughs> what about spree where he plays chris kunkel that that is it k-u-n-k he, he wasn't um he wasn't bone tomahawk and with kurt russell and like yeah that, that was like that was like 20 yeah that's a while ago though that's yeah. you're making me realize that 2013 was nine years ago i'm like fuck time I passes the time i didn't make no it's 2015 i didn't make oh, you okay. think anything you're the one who just brought that into your own sad head yeah, yeah. well it's one of my orbit now so time uh passage of it crazy so was he still with uh gail in the fourth one and the fourth one, it was very awkward because it was a year after they divorced, but they uh, still played a married couple. <laughs> well, we, we, uh, they probably were filming it while they were divorcing. Apparently, apparently it was like right after they divorced, and people said like sometimes the set got tense, but um, they tried to stay as professional as possible. Yeah. Which, like, God, can you imagine? <laughs> be awful. Yeah, but let me ask you this then. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, who's the star of the show? Honestly, uh, we were just talking about him, and maybe because he's just fresh in my mind, I think David Arquette did. So Dewey really just felt like a good, like, he was great in that role. It's a role he's pretty much going to be known for. He pretty much had a great, fitting final send-off for him, which is crazy. It took him, like, five movies to finally die, but Dewey was great. And it was great to see David Arquette again. And I hope that like he shows up in more shit again. So it's good seeing him again. <laughs> so there's a lot to pick from here because you have legacy characters, you have new characters. We didn't really talk about Liv, who was the the lead, right? The main protagonist. She was played mm-hmm. by Sonia Amar. I thought she did a pretty solid job. She was Yeah, okay. she's pretty good. They, and she had a lot of good moments with uh, Jenna Ortega. Yeah, and we, had, and we had... Uh, Neve Campbell come back as Sydney Prescott. We had Courtney Cox return as Gail Weathers. Shout out to Courtney Cox as plastic surgeon for being the same one who did Joan Rivers because, oh my God, there's so much good plastic surgery. What the hell happened to you? Don't, do you not have any money? <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, she, she was aging. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Tommy, look at a picture of Christy Brinkley today. That woman is in her 70s and she looks like she's 40s. All right. It's out there. It's a, Tom Brady looks like younger than us, and he is 45. He's almost 20 years older than us. All right, let's let's not let's not push beat around the bush here. So there's a I really like David Arquette's performance. I really felt like this movie let him get over his divorce of Courtney Cox a little bit because <laughs> they basically had a scene that was like therapy of them uh, going at it, whereas Courtney Cox and David Arquette just like laying out everything for like all of America to see and scream for. <laughs> yeah. Jack Quaid was was pretty good too, but I, I'm I'm going 
I'm going left field here. Somebody who didn't get a lot of screen time, but I'm taking Mikey Madison, who played Amber, the second killer. Killer. I thought when she, like, when they finally just like said go, like just just ham it up. She kind of like as we were saying about Matthew Lillard in the first one, like yeah. she kind of hammed it up, but she did it in a. It's not the same hamming it up. It was in that like emo, like not emo, but like that like darker like like I'm interested in fucking people up. Or Matthew Lillard was just like I got subdued by peer pressure uh, matthew, <clears throat> matthew Leonard's character is more of like a bro that was just like oh fuck this would be fun and just got dragged into it whereas mikey madsen like she was equally fucking like crazy yeah, she was equally as crazy and, and it was about like toxic fandom which was weird because they also said before about these movies not making a point about any social commentary and then they not that it's important social commentary but they did make a point about toxic fandoms and how people if people don't get what they want they're just in revolt i i don't know i don't look at i try not to look at these things as fans anymore i just try to look at them kind of like objectively of is this just good on its own like if you just strip the pretense of the original scream is this good you know and that's kind of where i lie but i i did enjoy it but i just wanted to bring that point in there i know we're in the star of the show section but i just had that thought cross cross my mind anything you want to say back or um pretty much just like i, I think the final point of everything like the toxic fandom uh, the motive of them i thought it was pretty clever in a way where it's just like okay like they're just trying to like fuck everything up in a different way and like what was their end game like so like who would be the survivors like jack quaid and um what's it called <laughs> Mikey, yeah and be it. A- a- amber yeah yeah they were yeah. i guess i mean they never actually really have an end plan because they're gonna you know as an audience they're going to die yeah, like that would have if if that movie just killed all, everybody and they got away with it, if they actually did that pivot, which they weren't going to do because it pissed everybody off, I would have loved this movie, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. I'm I've telling you, if they had made all that self-referential nonsense, the you know the entire movie, pretty much the entire movie is all self-referential, and then they killed the last remaining two characters from the original movie, and then killed this entire new cast except for the killers. I'd be in. I would totally have been it. You're like, okay, let's see, let's see what happens. Let's no, I would, I would, I would want to scream six, and all the fans would not have wanted to scream six because they wanted to see the ending of Scream Five. Well, first. this is what this is what I think. So with Scream Five, uh, Sydney and Gail still live, but do you think the franchise is going to go in a direction of if they do, they're going to do a Scream Six, assuming this one's successful? Would Scream Six have to involve Sydney and uh, Gail again? Do you think, or just like, yeah, at this point, focus on the I, new characters? I guess they they establish the new characters. Like that's technically the job of it. But if if they're, if they're not working, you know, and you just give them a call and just say, hey, you know, it's it's four days work. It's uh, you know, it's a million dollars. Sydney, come you're, back. You you around? You know, little Sydney Prescott. We'll give you a little. We'll give you a little. You know, blow to the face. She she looked good, by the way. Yeah, Neve Campbell. Neve Campbell. Yeah, she looked really Eve, good. Yeah. yeah. She was, she was but, great in that role. Um, she's played Sydney now like five times and she's owned that role. It, was she, just, she was in four. Yeah. So yeah. Scream franchise uh, to touch on the sequels is the rare one where um, rare horror franchise where every single one involves up until uh, he's deaf, Wes Craven, um, the writer, Kevin Williamson, he was involved in some capacity and um, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox and David Arquette. In that's, every the tri- that's the trio which is weird because from the first one you wouldn't 
recognize that to be the trio, but I guess they probably expand on that a little bit. I Cassie feel like also in Scream 2 that they're kind of like, okay, Jimmy Kenny, you're kind of a dick. Like, let's let's get you out of here. <laughs> There's who? kind of Jimmy Kennedy who played Randy. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're just like, uh, you're not. You worked in the first one to tell us the rules. Now get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but Scream 2, like Jimmy Kennedy on set was probably such a pain in the ass because like in the second one, he's doing like an English accent. He's doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. He's doing all these like different like wacky shit. And it's just like, we're like, all right, Jimmy Kennedy. Just like tone it down like a little bit. That being said, I do love Scream 2. Scream 2, I think, is just uh, almost as good as the first. All right. I'm going to ask you a very similar question that I asked you earlier. Ah, okay. Are you ready, comedy partner? Waka, waka. Okay. You know, the Muppet adaptation drop doesn't really work as well when it's... Sequel? <laughs> when it's a sequel and we're doing it in the exact same podcast and it's <laughs> kind of the same movie. But tell me, um, do you think it works as... A... As a, as a uh, so uh, I'm gonna go if I said uh, last time no, but again I just want to see a movie of uh, we like I said we need a Muppet slasher movie that'd be amazing. Did, did they try to do that with uh, Brian Hansen where he did um, the Happy he, Time Murders? Yeah, yeah, I heard that was I didn't see that. I heard that was like don't even don't even. It's just one of those things that that'd be a cool concept though. Or it's just like okay, like do like a fucking like gritty Who Framed Roger Rabbit's type noir, but make it super violent with puppets, and I think that'd be amazing. Yep. The problem is, is that just like it's very it's very niche and it's very hard to get. You need a real established. No, you need like you would need yeah. the Muppets to get an actual audience. Like they did the Happy Time Murders with like the puppets from Avenue Q. Like no one, no one gave a. No it was, it was no, it was no, it was original puppets. And Even worse. Even worse. Yeah. You can't do originality anymore. This movie is literally that's the message of the movie. You can't be original anymore, and not with something that niche. At least not right now. Maybe on like YouTube, and you build like a cult following up of the people who would actually want to see this. You know, that's how you. Like, and like five other people <laughs> like me and you and like a podcast or something i don't know I, I, yeah maybe maybe <laughs> maybe but all right let's rate it what do you think Out of all five. right so i did like like i said i did like this movie a lot i'm a huge screen fan um to the point that i did a marathon of all four screen movies uh prior on Monday or Sunday, rather, um, back to back to back, took eight hours. <laughs> so, as a big Scream fan, um, I thought this fun, was a worthy sequel. I think that they kind of balanced the act between legacy characters. I think pretty well with um, the new characters to a point, with especially with Sam. Some of the friends, not as much, but the kills were great. Ghostface was menacing as possible. There were some great scenes in it, like when Wes's death scene, where they kept on faking you out make it think it was like this is gonna be where Ghostface is this is gonna be Ghostface is I thought that's really effective overall if I had to give it a point I'd say four out of five so yeah really uh, two and a half out of five I think it's very I think it's a solid movie I think it's worth your time I, I'd even say it's worth your dollar if you're looking to get out of the house and go see something if you like a if you like a horror movie if you like the Scream franchise you'll most certainly enjoy it I just wish they didn't just tell me the same story and i guess it's a little less effective like i think it might have been more effective if i had seen scream wasn't doing a podcast about scream and you and i just decided to go see scream five and i hadn't this seen wasn't it homework for you. <laughs> no it's not that it's homework but it's if i hadn't just seen scream spent yeah. an hour talking with you about scream then literally went to the movie theater and watched the same movie that we just spent talking about and then coming back here it, you know, it just well, feels... The thing, the thing that sucks is that 
without seeing the so you're the difference between us is that I've seen all the sequels that you haven't. And at least like they even touch upon this movie. Where it's like, oh, you're the most derivative of all the ghost faces. Because in Scream 2 takes place in a college completely separate. Scream 3 takes place on a Hollywood set where they're killing the cast of the stab movie at that time. And then Scream 4 is back in Woodsboro, but it's not like the same house and same characters and same plot points. Like they didn't have uh, Mindy shouting at the screen exactly what Jimmy Kennedy shot on the screen in the last movie. Yeah, that was yeah. That was and the then, one one thing I was like, come on, really? Like do that again. And I mean it was literally the same kind of fake out of like the stabbing motion too. It, it was a little much for my opinion. That was but, that was the one thing where I was like But yeah. it, I guess just for me maybe you, you know if I had gone and seen this and I just hadn't seen Scream in 5 years, I'd probably would have really enjoyed it and liked the humor of it. But I also tend to look for like originality. As I said, if they if they had done that big switch where where the killers do escape, I, and they like they broke the rules of horror movies completely. <laughs> I will. I mean, I it would have been great to be in an audience watching them all just be completely devastated, <laughs> and then and then just me like kind of you laugh at our tears as we're crying our eyes out because they've killed sydney prescott oh yeah wait i can't remember somebody i think when courtney cox was crying over dewey's death i started laughing because i just <laughs> i just she I just she can't cry anymore because she's had too much collagen in, in her face and just uh, i i i, I the first thing is that it works for gail though as a character that you'd have oh for sure oh yeah oh for sure but i i was it was the plastic surgery just makes it a little funnier you know yeah yeah but like- yeah it very solid movie. You go enjoy it. You know, when I I'm just a harsher grader than Tommy. Two and a half out of five is not a bad rating. It just means for me, it's it's an average movie. I didn't hate it. I just yeah. I think if I'm gonna rewatch a Scream movie, because I will end up watching the sequels at some point. I'm just gonna probably watch the original Scream. That's probably what's gonna happen. Yeah, um, out out of all of them, if I had to do my franchise rankings real quick. This would slot in at probably number three. So it, for me, it goes just real quick. It's Scream, Scream 2, this one, Scream 4, and then Scream 3. Scream 3 is eh, it's a Sunday morning watch at best when you're like hungover. <laughs> okay. So. I don't have I I would put Scream at the top, and then my second would be Scream 5 because I haven't seen the others. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, on that note. I'm Tim Sestito. I'm Tommy Tavanai. And thank you all for listening. We have now seen the movie. Movies. Shut up. <laughs>